Hello, this is Tom Bailey, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's comedian Erica Rhodes. Somebody told, somebody told me about the web series, and I watched your web series, and I was like, who is this? Like, she is so fascinating, she's so unique, like... I became obsessed with her, so I went down the rabbit hole. Of- you may know Erica Rhodes going all the way back to Prairie Home Companion, but she has been a stand-up comedian for years now, and we're going to talk to her in just a little bit. We have a song of the week coming up from Vampire Weekend, because it is Vampire Weekend. We're seeing Vampire Weekend, although I'm recording this a week ahead of time, so uh, through the miracle of time shifting, uh, there may be a Vampire Weekend review at the end of this. There may not be. It just depends on if uh, I'm able to squeeze it in before I drop the episode. In the meantime, uh, speaking of time shifting and things I don't have actually on hand yet, uh, Erica Rhodes' new album comes out on June 20th, and we have a clip from it, but I have not yet received the album, so I don't know what clip you're about to hear, actually. But here is a clip from Erica Rhodes' new album. Another clue is, I, I think uh, your romance might be in trouble the second you start taking off your own clothes. <laughs> if you're not laughing, you're worried. You're like, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Because in the beginning, like, a relationship's so exciting, right? You're still touching each other, right? That's nice. It must be new. Is it newish? No? Well, good for you. Even better. How long have you been together? 15 years. Wow. And he still has his arm around her. That's very sweet. Let's see where you are at year 16. Let's hope it's still like that. I think it will be. You look very happy, like genuine smiles. I like that. I like that. Anyway, you guys are probably still taking each other's clothes off, right? You're making a mess. You're, you're pushing each other up against walls consensually, you know? Hopefully. You know, it sort of shifts. Like, you don't see it coming, but you find yourself, you know, politely taking off your shirt and folding it and putting it on your side of the bed. And then he takes off his shirt and folds it and put it his side of the bed and takes out his Invisalign. And you get under the covers and you turn out the lights and you're like, why are you Googling Brita filters? I thought you found one you liked. (laughs) And he's like, I found a coupon. (laughs) And you're like, I guess I'll sleep at my place. (laughs) And he's like, well, can you leave the garage door opener? (laughs) And you're like, why? And he's like, because the last time we broke up, you had the garage door opener, and I never got it back. (laughs) And you're like, are we breaking up? (laughs) And he's like, I don't know, are we? And you're like, I don't know, are we? And he's like, I don't know, are we? And then three years later, you break up. And still 
have his garage door opener. Thank you very much. That is a track from Erica Rhodes' new album, Sad Lemon, comes out June 20th. I cannot tell you the name of that track because I actually don't know what it is because I don't even have the album yet. Again, through the miracle of time shifting, I'm recording what I call the wraparound footage here on a Sunday morning uh, because I have a very, very busy June coming up. So uh, anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. Like I said, Sad Lemon comes out June 20th. And now let's get to our interview with Erica Rhodes. Erica Rhodes is a stand-up comedian who started her career on a Prairie Home Companion, uh, singing, doing a little uh, musicianship type of stuff. Uh, later thought she was going to be uh, in an orchestra of some kind, but uh, now is a stand-up comedian. Here now is her interview with Erica Rhodes. So, um... Uh it's good to talk to you. Um, I've, I know a little bit about you, but um, I guess for uh, since we haven't spoken to you before, we can take the, the Mark Maron approach and start off with uh, the basics, or the, I guess what we would call the origin story. Um, where are you from? I'm from Newton, Massachusetts. It's a town outside of Boston. Yeah, I've heard of that. Go. A lot of funny yeah. people come from Boston. Yeah, a lot of comics come from Newton, actually. Um, is Jay Leno from there? Uh, Jay Leno is from Boston, but I, I don't, but not Newton. Okay. I forget what town. Somebody's from, yeah. Boston, Boston. Somebody's from Newton. I can't remember who it is now. Hmm. Because I know, I, I know that from, uh, uh, from interviewing somebody a long time ago. Because yeah, I talked to a lot of people that not only, uh, were from Boston, but all, but went to Boston to, uh, Mark Marin. speaking of, Marin famously went from New Mexico to Boston to start, uh, I think he went to college there, and then he fell into the comedy scene there, so, um... From there, that's right. Yeah, that's true. And, and uh, Bill... Matt, Matt LeBlanc is from there, and DJ Novak is from there. Oh, I know those guys and... are from there. Uh, who else is from? There's uh, a couple of gals. Are from... Apollo Poundstone is from there. Um, yeah, Wait, she is. Yes, and then she went to San Francisco. That I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, and she was telling uh, us on the on the podcast that uh, she decided to go to. Um, San Francisco because she wanted to kind of a fresh start because she was starting to kind of get influenced and sound like uh, a lot of the guys she was working with at the clubs in Boston. She figured a, a change of coast would have been in order. And uh, yeah, so um, so yeah, Boston, uh, quite quite the comedy town. Did you go up as, as a comedy fan or did you want to be in entertainment or did you just have something else in mind when you were growing up is what you wanted to do? I've always done performing, so I, you know, I started the radio show Prairium Companion when I was ten, and I was so I was acting since I was a kid. Oh. And I did a lot of ballet and I played cello, uh, so I always thought I'd be an actress, but I didn't really think I never thought I'd be a stand-up until way later. Okay, and so uh, so how do you go from uh, living in Boston to being on Prairie Home Companion, which, uh, which of course, records mostly in Minnesota? Well, the long story is that my mother grew up in the same hometown as Garrison Keillor, and she then went on to found an orchestra called the Pro Arte Chamber Orchestra of Boston because she's a violinist, 
and she asked Garrison, she wrote to him asking him to do a fundraiser for her orchestra, and he agreed to do it. He came out, my mom met him, they got along really well, and then she said, you should meet my sister who lives in New York, uh, Jenny, and she, my mom introduced him to Jenny, and then they ended up getting married, and in the middle of that, when they were dating, they came and saw me in the Nutcracker, and I was dancing, and then... We all went out to dinner afterwards, and I had a really funny voice, like way higher even, you know, than I did now. And I think I just said a couple things, like, will you pass this salt? <laughs> and Garrison, I remember Garrison kind of looking up at me like, is that the sound that just came out of her voice? And then the next day, my mom said he wants you to do his show. So two days later, I was performing for thousands of people, and um, and I was sharing a dressing room with Alice and Janney. They had to give me a um, like a little, um, what do you call it, a little stepping stool so that I could even reach the microphone because that's how little I was. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was that was the long story of how that started. And were you on frequently? Did, like, do you have to fly to Minnesota every weekend, or do they uh, ISDN you in? I was, I was sort of a recurring guest. Like I would I would do it whenever he had a role for me so it it wasn't ever consistent like it wasn't like every Saturday it was kind of like in spurts like there he kind of go through phases where he would use me a lot and then he wouldn't use me and then you know I was doing a lot of other things at one point I was like I'm going to be a cellist that's gonna so I went to music school so I think during that phase he's like oh maybe she doesn't want to do acting so he didn't put me on then but most of my life I was on you know pretty regularly just not every week so you went to school then for for music at that point? Uh yeah, I did. I did. Uh, I was a cello major in college in uh, for one year. Then I moved to New York and I started acting again. And then uh, I was going to try to go to a conservatory for music because I just I didn't want to take all the extra classes. I just wanted to focus on cello. And uh, so I got into the San Francisco Conservatory, but at that point, I was acting a lot, so I um, decided to go that route. I went to the Atlantic Theater Conservatory in New York, uh, which is like David Mamet School. Oh, wow. David Mamet and William H. Macy founded this conservatory, and so I, I got into that, and I went to that, and I loved it. And I thought, I really, once I started acting, I felt like, oh, this is what I'm meant to do, only... You know, my voice wasn't that perfect for it because it was, I just couldn't really get my voice down to like a lower register. And uh, even Mamet said, like, if you don't fix your voice, you're never going to have a career. And I'm like, yeah, so far he's right, at least with acting. Huh. Um, so, yeah, so I just, uh, I, I sort of like transitioned to stand up because I was so frustrated with acting. It just wasn't. It really wasn't going anywhere, and uh, and I hated the audition process, and I felt very stagnant, and especially creatively, I had no outlet to perform, and I just felt very stuck and frustrated, and so I just sort of start, you know, it's like necessity is the mother of invention, so sure. I just 
jumped into it because I felt like I didn't have a choice, really. That happens with a lot of people um, that are in, in, uh, actors and a, a few musicians I've interviewed before. Like, well, heck, this is, you know, uh, I think Mary Mack was kind of the same way. She was like, well, heck, it's a lot easier just to be one person traveling around and not have to do all this stuff and rely on lugging instruments and relying on other people to, to do this. And other people are like, oh, I can just, you know, create my, I can be my own writer, director, and all that other stuff. So um, Yeah. I love how self-sufficient it is. Like, you can do it anywhere, you know. It's like, I've done so many weird shows. I've done a show in a tent that didn't even have a microphone. And it's like, all you need is your voice. You know, I mean, the one time that I felt like I could barely perform was the time I lost my voice. And, you know, that's all you need is your voice. And, I mean, it's pretty amazing how self-sufficient it is, considering all the other art forms depend on an instrument, depend on a set, depend on other people, you know. And so that is one thing I love about stand-up, is that it's just you. So you kind of found your way back into acting, though. You know, a little bit, and people still perceive me as an actress, but I make my living doing doing stand-up. You know, I'm mostly a comic. I book an acting role here and there, but I but my passion is comedy, and that's really where I that's where I make a living. So I don't, you know, I mean, I I can act, and I'll I'll act when people give me parts, and I'm and I like it, but I really feel like my passion is comedy. Um, so there's other disciplines, and I was going to say, by the way, when you were talking about uh, playing cello, I was going to say that that's probably the best instrument to play if you're trying to get into an orchestra, because of course there's always room for cello. But um, well, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, it's very competitive. Uh, classical music is insanely competitive, and you say that there's always a spot for cello. I mean, there's only so many spots, and there's only so many orchestras, so it's actually extremely competitive. Yeah, I knew a guy that did that. I used to work at a museum in, in Pittsburgh in the fundraising department. Of course, everybody came from different artistic disciplines. And uh, yeah, my friend played, I think, I don't remember what his instrument was, but he was, uh, and that amazed me that you could, that there was actually uh, a thing. And I think he eventually did finally catch on with the uh, the Pittsburgh Symphony uh, right before I, I left there. So, um, but my, my original point was, in all those other disciplines, you had a, you know, a lot of uh, training. When you approach comedy how did you come to that had you been a fan of it did you have like were you fans of certain comedians or were you just you know just kind of thought well I'll just talk about what I think is funny well you know when I when I think about my childhood I was very much exposed to just sort of old school comedy you know my mom I definitely loved comedy like I would watch you know false I remember watching Faulty Towers with Don Cleese oh, yeah. by myself and laughing Hysterically, and I was just like a kid, you know. But that was my—I just loved him. I loved British humor. I loved Lucille Ball. I loved Charlie Chaplin. You know, like I watched all these old school movies, and so I definitely was exposed to comedic timing and just the overall idea of comedy. But I didn't really specifically study stand up until way later. I'm kind of a late bloomer with like actual stand-up, but comedy I was exposed to, and I just loved, you know, I loved dry humor. I loved Monty Python, you know, that kind of thing. So when you first decided to do it, did you just start going to open mics in New York, or did you, uh, what was kind of your path in? No, I didn't start until LA, until I moved to LA. Oh, so okay. I've been in LA for like five, 
five, more than five years, actually, I think. And uh, but but what happened was I found Maria Bamford, and uh, somebody told somebody told me about her web series, and I watched her web series, and I was like, who is this? Like, she is so fascinating. She's so unique. Like, I became obsessed with her, so I went down the rabbit hole of Maria Bamford. I watched her stand up. I loved her, you know, web stuff. And then uh, I was looking for a new manager because at that point, all I was doing was like web stuff and horror films and things. So I had like a manager that specialized in horror films. <laughs> and I did, you know, I wasn't really auditioning for anything. My, my career path was just sort of on such a weird, not the right path. And so I looked up who Maria's manager was, and I wrote to him, and I said, I'm in the subject line, I said, I'm a young Maria Bamford, which is so ironic in hindsight because uh, I, uh, I hadn't done stand-up. I hadn't even thought about doing stand-up. I just so much connected to her unique voice, you know? And here, and I also was kind of like, oh, she's like this, she's like a pretty girl, but she's not playing the pretty girl. She's like totally quirky and weird and that's like how I feel you know and and I just like really connected to her and now you know people compare me to her all the time and you know now kind of sometimes it worries me a little because I'm I think our stand-up is super different you know I don't I think our I think our voices on stage are you know like our specific voices well the way we sound is similar but what we say is very different oh yeah yeah for sure uh, yeah. So when I met with my, my manager now, who, uh, he said, I don't see it. He goes, I think you're very different, but you are funny. And, you know, uh, he took me on as an actress at first. And he's like, and he said, what's your dream? And I said, I want to be on SNL. And he's like, get a different dream. <laughs> he was like, he's like, you're, you don't do impressions. You don't really do like funny voices and things like that. So he's like, I could see you doing stand up. And it took me another. I think it took me another two years before I actually started stand-up. Like, after that initial conversation where he said, I could see you doing stand-up. And I was kind of like, yeah, I've thought about it, but it terrifies me. It, like, really scares me. And then I think at one point I read that quote about, um, that Eleanor Roosevelt said, I think, or it's like, you do, do the thing that scares you the most. And I was like, nothing scares me more than stand-up. And so that, that was also part of the reason I started it. You know, I mean, I had encouragement from people. People were like, you're so funny. And he, he thought I should be stand up. And then, so I, so it's weird how like things, you know, you really do look back at certain things and you're like weird how all those things lined up, but in such a weird way, like I connected to a comic before I decided I was going to do comedy. Like I, you yeah. know, <laughs> I was like, I really connect to her, huh. but it wasn't because it was a stand up. I just yeah. loved her. Like I loved her web series. I loved her uniqueness, you know? So, so, yeah, so, but then I signed with my manager, and he really helped me with stand-up. Like, the first time I did an open mic, I, I was terrible. I was all over the place. I was, like, really, you know, but then I was proud of myself that I did it because I was so scared to do it. So then I, I posted the video of my first stand-up uh, open mic, and he called, my manager called me the next day and was like, you need to take that down immediately. Like, I don't <laughs> know what you're doing. Like, you wouldn't post your first cello lesson. Like, what are you thinking? And, but it was funny because also my sister called me right before that and said, I think this is your thing. I think you should be doing this. This is, this is really, 
really right for you. And so I got all excited. I was like, okay, because my sister is someone I've always looked up to and I really trust her opinion. And then, and then like seconds later, my manager was like, what are you thinking? Why did you post that? Huh. So I was kind of like, I was like riding high and then I was just like brought way down to earth. And, uh, and so I was like, oh, I guess I shouldn't do it. But he's like, no, you could do it. Just like you need to write jokes. So he sort of like, he gave me like a very like rudimentary lesson in joke writing. He's like, you got to write jokes. And this is how you write a joke. And, <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so I just sort of studied it. I taught myself how to write jokes. And I, you know, and then it evolved from there. But my, but my first two years, I was terrible. And I was just like an actress doing stand-up, you know. I, I didn't know what I was doing. But now you've, of course, you got your legs and... Uh, and uh... Yeah, I mean, I would never have guessed, you know, years... First of all, I, I had no idea going in how much work it takes. I mean, it is, you know, out of all the things I've done, music, acting, comedy, ballet... I mean, they all take enormous discipline, but comedy is the only one where you have to fail in front of people. You know, like, in order to get better, you have to fail in front of people. <laughs> so that's what makes it unique. Whereas, like, all the other disciplines, you're, you you know, you fail alone or you fail in a class or you fail in a safe place. But, like, comedy, you fail. You, like, have to fail in front of people. So when you're on stage these days, and I've seen snippets here and there, but what, when you get like a full hour, what, what sort of things do you talk about? Is it like stuff from your life? Is it stuff you've observed in other people's lives? Is it current events? Is what, what, what's, the, what's the long form look like? Yeah, it's all, it's, most of it's personal. Like if I get observational, it usually starts with something that happened to me or something I observed firsthand. So it's all, you know, it's all based in truth. I talk a lot about my own personal struggles with things and then expand it to maybe bigger observations. And, um, oh, I noticed that you, uh, work with Bill Dwyer sometimes. Yeah. Bill, Bill is also with, uh, my manager, Bruce Smith. Okay. He's great. I love Bill. Yeah. Bill's great. He's yeah. such a good writer too. He's, he's such a good disciplined joke writer. And he, I love that little edge of silliness that he has too. That that subtle, yes. you know, talk. Yeah, yeah. He's he's been on the show a couple of times, but he he hasn't toured a lot lately, so I haven't had a chance to speak to him. Because uh, yeah, I, whenever I see him, it's so funny because it's like whenever I see him, he's at the top of his game. He's always he he always kills. Yeah, he should be. You know, I feel like he should be touring all the time. So and you guys do right, um, do a game show together that uh, that uh, that like it's a live game show that you guys do at Sketchfest when when that's when that's running there in San Francisco. Yeah, we I mean we haven't done that in a long time. Oh, okay, it's called Stardom, but yeah, that was fun. And how did that, all that come together? Uh, through my manager, and I think Bill create Bill and he created it, and I was just his uh, co-host. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, and so you have the new album coming out uh, in a couple of weeks here. Uh, so that must be exciting. Yes. It, it's already available on Amazon for pre-order. Okay. And then it comes, and then it comes out on Sirius and Pandora and, and I guess all the platforms uh, June 18th. Yes, that's the date I have, and I, I guess your uh, your publisher, Shermander, is going to send me a copy. So we will uh, maybe play a clip from it before the uh, interview here, and then I won't have to do it. Oh, a... perfect! 
Perfect. I won't have to do a dumb bit on my show, and that'll save me some time. I get to be lazy that week. I love when I get to do that. But um, <laughs> uh, so one thing that's I'm always curious about, I always ask comics when they do do their albums, is like, how much did you anguish? putting it together some people are like no the, the cream pretty much rose to the top and it wasn't, wasn't too bad and other people are like oh they're you're on the road for like a almost a year deciding it and then the last minute you want to make changes was it a, was it a tough process putting this together you know it actually it went way smoother than i would have imagined i i did one show at uh helium in portland and right after the show i called my manager and i said that's where i'm doing my album so I picked the place right away based on one show. Huh. And then later I got nervous. I was like, maybe that was the wrong decision. I mean, that was just one show. Like, maybe I got lucky on that show. And, like, it was just a really good crowd. Like, what if I made a mistake? But then I got there and it was, like, it, I love that venue so much. I really connect to crowds in Portland for whatever reason. I still haven't figured out why because I'm huh. not from there. I, no. I don't even know people there. Like, I'm like, why do I connect so much people in Portland. <laughs> I think because they're kind of quirky and weird, you know, maybe that's why. Um, but yeah, so, so, and then what happened was I had a decent first show, you know, I did like five shows. So I had like a decent first show and then, um, and I was like, I guess that one I could use. And then it just kept getting better. And then I had one show that was just, it was like from start to finish really good. And we just, I, I was agonizing over editing it for a second. And I kept telling my manager, I was like, I don't, I really don't want to listen to it. Like, I can't really listen. And he's like, well, I can make the edits or if you really, you know, if you, if you trust me. And I was like, I don't know. He's like, or you could just use that great show that you had and we don't make any edits. And that's what we did. Oh, cool. Well, that's so neat. It's all one. It's pretty much one take. We might have we might have cut out a couple lines, but other than that, it's like one pure show. Oh, cool! I like, yeah, you know? yeah, that's uh, that's really cool. Well, great. I'm glad we had a chance to talk. Um, so you'll be gonna for the rest of the year. Will you be uh, touring kind of in promotion of the uh, of the CD, or are you building a new hour, as they say, or what's uh, what happens next? Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to get rid of all that. Stuff. It's hard, you know. It's really hard to get a whole new hour that quickly. But um, but I'm very sick of those jokes now. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, I like can't say them anymore. Like I like I'll do them, and I'm like, I don't feel connected. Like I just I need to get new jokes. So right now I'm in the process of yeah, getting a new hour together, and then um, yeah, I'll be on the road on and off, and then I have a sh- another show. I have like that TV thing I'm doing, um, bring the funny. That's airing on NBC on oh, July that's right. 9th. Oh, yeah. Is that is that like Last Comic Standing again, or what's the how is this deal? Work? Yeah, it's like the same idea. Okay, the same idea. The only difference the only difference is that it's uh, all forms of comedy now, so it's like oh. sketch, variety, okay, stand up. Yeah, I know people hate uh, things like that, getting a comedy competition, but at the same time, uh, my wife and I are big fans, largely because you get to see mostly new people or people you haven't seen a lot of. And uh, I mean, yeah. a, lot of good, a lot of good people come out of that. I mean, I, I, I get it. They, it's a TV show. You only get little snippets of people and things like that. I, I understand the downside. But the upside, uh, like I said, you get to see a lot of new and exciting people, at least. And so, it, you know, it, it's fun for that reason. So, um, uh, yeah. And- being really fun because everybody was good on it you know like it's like you are the company you keep and like there were no weak performers like it wasn't like this guy did stand up once at an open mic and you know it's like 
it's like they're all they were all professionals like everybody's already working so it was just kind of cool to be around really talented people oh you cool know? i'll have to look forward to that i'll have to set my tivo for that um yeah. Great. Well, I uh, appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, good luck with the, the CD and everything and up there in Minneapolis. And maybe we'll see you down here in Cincinnati where I am sometime soon. And, um, oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific. Okay. Well, uh, thanks, Erica. All right. Thanks so uh, much. All right. Bye bye. Thanks to Erica Rhodes for being on the show. Uh, Erica will be touring, uh, I believe, in support of her album here. Let me find some events for you. Excuse my mouse clicking here. And you can find her, let's see, a House of Comedy, Bloomington, Minnesota, June 26th through the 30th. Flappers in Burbank, uh, September 20th and 21st. Comic Strip, uh, that's another Rick Bronson place out there in Phoenix, Arizona. And that is September 25th of the 29th. And I imagine she'll be filling in some dates uh, between there, possibly. So for all your Erica Rhodes needs, go to Erica Rhodes Comedy. So we're up to the song of the week here. Song of the week is by Vampire Weekend, and uh, we are seeing Vampire Weekend. Well, as of when this episode drops, we will have seen Vampire Weekend, and you may or may not be getting a review of Vampire Weekend uh, right before the song of the week. I'll try to work it in there somehow. If you don't, you know what happened. I didn't have time. So the song of the week is from Vampire Weekend, the uh, new album. I can't remember the name of the new album. Hold on, let me check here. It, It totally escapes me. Uh, I am digging it. I'm not the biggest Vampire Weekend myself. Father of the Bride, new album, by the way. Uh, guy I work with, uh, comedian Billy DeVore, massive Vampire Weekend fan, him and his wife. Uh, my wife and daughters, all massive Vampire Weekend fans. I like Vampire Weekend a lot. And uh, my favorite song is probably Dying Young. But, new album I like a lot, too. Uh, my wife's review of it at first was, uh, she had Alexa play it, and she's like, before we got the actual CDs, we got four of them for uh, getting four tickets to the show. Anyway, her, her review was this. Alexa, play New Vampire Weekend. Alexa, skip. Alexa, skip. Alexa, skip. So, but it kind of grew on her. Uh, she's not keen on the songs with the gal from uh, Haim. Uh, I think they're fine, but uh, we like the singles a lot. Uh, we played one of them a couple of weeks ago. And uh, and then I, I like the song This Life, which was also a single. I think it's the one they're playing on Radio 1 currently, which is weird to me. On regular radio in Britain, you can hear Vampire Weekend. But I, this may be my second favorite song after Dying Young by Vampire Weekend. I like this track a lot. So it's going to be our song of the week on PF State Reporter. Vampire Weekend, This Life, so long, and thanks for listening. Baby, I know pain is as natural as the rain. I just thought it didn't rain in California Baby, I know love isn't what I thought it was Cause I've never known love like this before
Suffering.